But if you're putting emotion and passion into something, it's not making money. It's not a business. So it's a hobby. So or just something. It's not quite yet the business that you want it to be. This is Chris Reynolds and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for six and seven figure entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. Picture yourself spending four weeks with other high level entrepreneurs in the northern mountains of Thailand this coming October and November 2017. It will be full of masterminds, workshops, advisors, like-minded entrepreneurs, and of course, some fun adventure. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to apply at theentrepreneurhouse.com. On today's episode, we are joined by the founder of bizwomenrock.com, Katie Krimitzos. Katie is a super passionate entrepreneur and movement builder that is working hard to elevate female entrepreneurs to the next level of their game. She's running a blog, a podcast, coaching, retreats, a popular Facebook group, and a business. Today, we spend some time getting to know Katie on a more personal level. She shares with us the challenges of changing from a blue-collar mentality to an entrepreneurial mentality and offers some really great suggestions of how others can do the same. She talks in detail about how to create a profitable retreat for community builders and how to create, manage, engage, and make a profitable Facebook group. It's a highly passionate episode with a highly passionate entrepreneur and one you don't want to miss. And without further ado, let's welcome Katie to the show. How are you doing, Katie? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me here. Thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. Katie, as the founder of Biz Women Rocks, we would like to get to know you as a female entrepreneur and how you became the entrepreneur that you are today. So uh, I came a little late to the entrepreneurial game, I think, relative to a lot of the other entrepreneurs that I know. Um, I grew up in a very blue collar household. Um, didn't looking back, I n- now can see that I knew people who own their own companies, but I was never aware of that. So it wasn't really until the age of 22 that I even had ever heard of the word entrepreneur. <laughs> um, and when I did, I was like, oh, my gosh, freedom. <laughs> uh, and I was in I was in grad school out here in Florida, and I it stuck enough to like leave an impression in my head of like that's what I want. I don't know what that is quite yet, but that's what I want. And I was fortunate enough to be working for a woman who owned her own company, and I just got to see a little behind the scenes about what that kind of was. And then nothing happened. I graduated with a degree. I, you know, got a job and was in corporate for a couple of years within the healthcare industry and just was, I'm not going to say I was miserable, but I just didn't love it. Like it didn't really light my fire. And then a big turning point for me was, um, uh, I, (laughs) I was in a relationship with a guy. We, he had had a lot of experience like rehabbing houses. And so at some point I was like, well, Hey, we, I ended up like finding this house that needed a major rehab. So the both of us just, you know, so intelligently (laughs) decided to purchase a property and we were going to rehab it and then sell it. Um, because by that point I had learned a little bit about this thing called like real estate and how that could be, you know, kind of a business and it could be a key to financial freedom. And I was at least somewhere on the path of that education. And then that, um, by the time the rehab was done, so was the relationship, but now (laughs) I had this, but the great thing is now I had this property. And so it, um, that was sort of my first initial jump into anything that was like mine. I own it. This is something that I can actually like a business system thing that I could do. And then fast forward, um, uh, gosh, my probably about a year. And then I, 
uh, ended up meeting my now husband, who at the time I really didn't like him. At the time I was like, whatever, he's <laughs> adorable and cute, but like a little snooty. I'm not going to talk to him. <laughs> and he had just started an entrepreneurs association in the Tampa Bay area called the Tampa Bay Business Owners. And so I, um, I ended up joining the organization because I was like, well, I kind of think that I want to do this business thing. I don't know what that is yet. But I'm, a, I'm a writer. I can write a book. I was on my way up to writing a book, but was just so ignorant to any of it. And then um, so about nine months into the start of that organization, um, I had joined and then he and I, you know, uh, our love story continued. That's a conversation for a different podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, so I ended up basically jumping on board as part of the team who I started as like the helpful girlfriend who would sort of like help him behind the scenes of the company. And then that ended up really evolving into like I owned part of the company. I was now the CEO of the co or the COO of the company. So that basically was like full on head on, you know, experience only education about what it takes to run a business. And that was back. He started it in 2008. I came in in 2009. So ever since 2009, um, my experience was really in the daily runnings and organization and growing of a local um, organization that really did like events and membership and all that sort of stuff. So I really cut my teeth on all everything you know, as most uh, startup entrepreneurs can really say, like it was like I was the what do they call it? The chief cook and bottle washer. Like, mm. you know, I both of us had every single hat as a part of the company. And then and then it just continued to grow. So that was the beginnings of it. And then um, and then back in 2014, I launched Biz Women Rock. And that's kind of an entirely different story. So that launched me into an entirely different business. Katie, I want to jump back to your earlier days and you kind of transforming as an entrepreneur. Now, you mentioned you come from a blue-collar family, and so do I. And I like to have conversations with people that come from entrepreneurial families and really kind of get into their mindset on how their parents raised them and the conversations they had. So I'm curious to learn, and I know you're a mother now, so mm -hmm. what were your thoughts about entrepreneurship beforehand what were your challenges? I'm going to get three questions here for you. Yeah. <laughs> what, what were your challenges letting go of those mentalities to become more entrepreneurial? And what do you think you're going to teach your kids about entrepreneurship? Great questions. Um, okay, so I guess my thoughts on entrepreneurialism as I was taught them, I, I wasn't taught any of them. Um, we didn't my parents are amazing parents. There's six of us in the uh, who uh, six kids, and so um, we were just the the lesson that we were taught was follow your passion and money will follow. But we were taught that within the framework of go to school, go get a job, go you know whatever money you make is fine. It doesn't matter. You just need enough money to kind of survive and take care of your family and to travel a little bit, right? So, um, so so my. I really didn't have any thoughts on what business really could be. Um, I just, but when I finally understood like what entrepreneurialism was, what this whole game of business was all about, when I finally wrapped my head around it, I was, oh my, like it was just freedom to me. I started learning about financial freedom. I started learning about like money and what that meant and then how this, this um, vehicle called business could be a way to earn revenue in relation to how much value you were giving and then graduating to the place of, oh, wait, well, this this vehicle called business is actually a way for me to really live a purpose and li live one of the many purposes that I'm here to live and really impact people 
and yes, there's money on the other end of that, but it's it's so much it's larger than that. It's very holistic. So I would say the challenges, the very realistic challenges I had in making that shift, um, was one thousand percent the mindset because, as you mentioned before, I did not you know I did not have the entrepreneurial mindset education. I didn't I, I didn't have those things, and so I had to go and proactively learn um, what it meant not to have a regular income like. check coming in every two weeks, you know, um, and what, what that really felt like. And even though mentally, I remember when I quit my job and went full force with our business, um, I I was mentally prepared for it, but it's a, to be mentally prepared for it and to then to actually walk it is two very different experiences. So I had to do a lot of mindset work. I mean, a lot of painful experiences (laughs) and mindset work about shifting this, like, oh my God, I don't have any money coming in anymore. Oh my gosh, I only have X amount of dollars in the bank. Oh my gosh, we have to hurry up and hustle in order to like make this money and shift that from like an abundance mindset of like there is, as long as we're doing the right things and we continue attracting the right people, the money's gonna come. Like, and that was a long, I can't tell you that it was like one moment. That was a (laughs) long process. So that was probably the biggest thing. And then simultaneously, um, this idea that money is not bad. I keep tying it back to money because entrepreneurship is ultimately, um, you, you know, you're providing value and people are paying you for that value. And then everything else that you get, all the emotion and passion that you get to put into it is all like a part of it, right? But if you're putting emotion and passion into something, it's not making money, it's not a business. Right. So um, it's a hobby. So, or just something, it's not quite yet the business that you want it to be. So, so that was always core for me. And I was raised with a mentality that, um, I'm not going to say that like money was bad, but, but it was like, we were very proud of the fact that we lived on very little, like there was no, anyone else would look in and call us poor, but like we, my parents were amazing and never made us feel that way. The negative sides of that was that if people made, if you made too much money, or at least the lesson I got was if you made too much money, that's bad. That means that you're working too much and you're not around your family. And so my mental shift had to be like, no, er, earning great revenue can be an awesome thing and tells me I'm impacting that many people, right? So that's that's been a constant thing. So I guess uh, that's really leading me into answering your last question, which is those are the those are the lessons that I really am currently and continuing to teach my daughter um, and any future kids that we have, which is like, number one, talk about money because we never talked about money growing up. So like talk about money, the, you know, that it's this great black and white thing, like it's numbers and dollars, but how do you actually go about doing it? Talk about abundance, talk about mindset, talk about really impacting people. And I'm incredibly passionate about wanting to create something that educates little girls about business as a vehicle for having independence and being able to be the masters of their own lives. And so I'm using my daughter as a nice example of that. <laughs> she gets to be my she gets to be my test dummy for how I'm teaching all of that. So I'm actually pretty darn cognizant of what I'm doing. Incredible, Katie. Thank you for sharing that. And I actually feel very similar to you um, coming from a blue collar family and, I, and we had very similar experiences and mindsets going through that. So before we jump into your business and what you're doing today, I'd like to ask you one more thing. What are some ways for those entrepreneurs that are shifting into the on- more entrepreneurial and abundant mindset? What were some things that you did over the years that could really help you gain and soak up that mindset? Uh, absolutely. Okay. There are three distinct things. Number one is actively go seek out, um, education and experiences that will help you do that 
in sort of a burst. And so um, one of the, I can, it was a defining moment moment for me when I went to Tony Robbins, Unleash the Power Within. That was probably, there were a lot of takeaways I got from that, but literally within a weekend, my entire mindset shifted from scarcity to abundance. Wow. And then it was, yeah. And then it was just a matter of like maintenance and how do I, how do I remember to keep tapping into that? So, so actively go seek out those types of events that can be like immediate jolts to the mindset um, because it's a massive experience. The second thing is to surround yourself by um, abundant thinkers. Surround yourself by other people who are crazy enough <laughs> to do this thing called business and to do <laughs> it with purpose. And there's a difference between somebody who um, sort of like has a business and it's a business system and it makes money versus somebody who is really wanting to do a purpose-driven business and somebody who really like puts the work into creating an abundance mindset in order for it to benefit their business and in order for that business to then benefit others. Hmm. There's a distinct difference. And so I'm, I actively surround myself with the latter, the people who, um, think outside the box. They are constantly challenging themselves. They're constantly wanting to learn, more, I would assume it's a lot of, of your amazing listeners because these are all people who are in the hustle and they, they're listening to this because they want to know how to do it better. And that's the type of person that you need to surround yourself by. And then the third thing that I am incredibly um, passionate about and, and such an advocate for is daily journaling um, or daily mindset work. I do this through journaling. So every morning, for the most part, I'm not perfect at this, but about like 85% of my mornings, I'm getting up at 5 a.m. and I start with a practice. Um, the very first thing I do is I write down what I'm grateful for. Um, and that could be just whatever. There's no you know particular format to it. Just whatever the heck I feel grateful for. Sometimes it's three things. Sometimes it's like 20. Um, and then immediately what I do is I go to journal and I will journal... Um, there's a lot of different kind of prompts that I have for journaling, but basically I'm journaling knowing I'm training my mind. So for example, if I'm about to launch something, if I'm about to open up a membership, if I'm about to, um, if I'm getting really bogged down with like the, the dailies of doing my podcast or, um, or I'm starting to feel like, oh my gosh, I, I don't like, I have a couple of spots open for coaching clients and no one's coming to me right now. Like I, I will deliberately speak to that in the positive and affirming space. Um, so one example of that is that I'll write, um, I'll pick a moment in time and write in that moment as if it's already happened, mm -hmm. even though it's a moment in the, I call it writing into the future. So, you know, this morning, literally this is what I did this morning. I wrote um, a couple of paragraphs about like, Hey, it's March 31st and I'm so grateful. I can't believe I hit my mark this month. This is what happened. I'm so grateful for this. Uh, this is happening now. And this is even better than what I thought it would be. And so I, I project what I want to actually happen. I write it as if it already has happened. And and so that trains my mind to think about all the abundance and to think about all the po possibilities instead of this the um, this big gap between where I am now and where I want to be. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. Yes. Yeah. So those three are those are three major things that I think that you could do to do some serious mindset work. Excellent, excellent, excellent tips. Thank you. Okay, so let's move into. Biz Women Rocks. So this is a, a business. This is a podcast. This is coaching. Mm -hmm. This is a blog. And it kind of sounds like this is a movement too. Would you agree? Booyah! That's <laughs> it. <laughs> yes, it totally is a movement. And I don't know necessarily know what that means right now. But I just, I, um, 
I, I started, it began as a podcast because, um, as I had mentioned before, I was working like crazy hours in our local company back in 2014 and I wanted to launch a podcast and I just knew I didn't know anything. I didn't have any other business. I didn't, I wasn't coaching. I wasn't having programs. Um, I just knew that I wanted to spotlight women who were doing really great things as entrepreneurs. Um, I wanted to be the home where they would go. And then I did a, a couple of other things that turned out to be pretty smart. I started a, um, a Facebook group almost immediately after I started the podcast so I could actually bring my listeners together in a space where we could all talk outside of the podcast and people who had no idea about the podcast would be, you know, attracted to this group called Biz Women Rock because any woman who's a businesswoman is going to look at that and be like, "Hell yes, we do." <laughs> um so so what I did basically between those two things is you know, for quite some time, I just sort of played around with getting really in touch with these women and what they were going through and what they ex were experiencing and different episodes that they really, you know, connected with. And, and I would just, I did virtually what I was doing really well locally, which was I just became a community leader. I became somebody who connected people. I became somebody who was a good resource. I became somebody who made people think. I became somebody who uh, was providing good information. And that's kind of how it started. And then I started having this like, well, how do I actually, I really am enjoying this. How do I actually make a business out of this? How do I make money doing this? How can I provide value in a way that people are happy to pay me um, and I can continue to really grow this? And that's kind of when I really started brainstorming on like, what's the big picture here? And I got to be honest with you that that started in 2014. It wasn't until uh, mid 2016, which was not that long ago as of the moment of this interview that I really started getting clear on exactly what that was. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I was, I was, you know, the podcast and the, that whole business, I was doing very, very part-time just because I was still very, very full-time in our local company. And I had a baby somewhere in there. And mm -hmm. so that kind of knocked things off. And so it wasn't until summer of 2016 that I actually like sat down and said, okay, what is this? Who am I in this? What do I love doing? And what do I know now from all of these two and a half years now of being with these women? What do I now know that they want? And what do I now know that they need? And I just, um, I got very clear about the fact that I loved coaching because even though I not had not formally been doing that before, I had been informally doing it for literally thousands of business people you know, in the years prior to that. So, and I really was, I really finally realized that I loved it. And so I was like, okay, that I could be, I could launch a coaching business. That could be cool. And so I did. And that immediately brought on some great clients that I still have the majority of them with me today. Um, and then I started um, practicing by offering courses and by offering programs and by offering this and by offering that. Basically, ever since that time, I finally was like, okay, I, I am now I'm now experimenting. Like I, I see that this is a business, that this is something large and that I want to bring these women together in a meaningful way that can, that can give them what they want. And what they want is very similar to what your listener wants. And um, they're, they're in the motion of their business right now. They're, they're for the most part, they're not beginners. They've been in business a while and they just want to know how to do it better. So they either want to get to a place of stabilization or they want to get to a place of like, okay, a bit, I've had this stable business, but now I want to like launch into the stratosphere and I don't necessarily know how to do that. So all of my education, my job is to be the person who provides the resources for them. And all I'm doing is experimenting with how, how I'm packaging that or how I'm delivering that to them. And so, um, but at, you know, another thing came clear, the more and more practice that I've had doing that is that 
I understand very clearly that there's this moment into this someday, hopefully not too long from now, um, not too far away from now, that I really see, I already have women who are part of this community that are literally all around the world. So there is a moment in the not so far away future that this really is a global movement of women bringing each other up. Because when we have these passion driven businesses that are impacting those that they serve, like that particular business that they serve. And these women are coming and becoming a part of Biz Women Rock and kind of locking shields with their fellow businesswomen. They're all raising each other up. And anytime a fellow businesswoman, uh, her business grows, it grows financially, it grows in its ability to serve people. You know, you build financial freedom. The power then that gets created to each of these individual women and as a collective group is I mean, just globally changing. And so now all of a sudden we can do some really big things when one woman at a time becomes financially free, become, you know, really lives, is living a life that they are so passionate about and that they get, get to teach their daughters about and, um, and then just so on and so on. And we can really have this great impact. So my, you know, one of the, a big goal is mine is to like get women out of this, like, they just have a job. They've built a job for themselves and into the place of like, no, we have this amazing business that's doing something really powerful, whether it's the type of service that they provide or like the environment that they've created and they're a leader to all these great people in their businesses. So it's just, it's really the honoring of a business and its potential. Um, and so that's what I, that's what I get to do every day, which is pretty darn awesome actually <laughs> sounds great now kitty um there's a couple things i want to talk about first off one of your products is how to host a successful and profitable retreat and i know there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that would love to learn more about this so i'm curious if you could kind of give us some steps about um launching and, and creating a profitable retreat for uh entrepreneurs and their communities out there yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this was uh, basically this product happened because I launched my first <laughs> retreat and it was incredibly successful and incredibly profitable for me. So I brought a lot of my, obviously at that point, you know, like eight or nine years of event planning experience to the fold. So one of the quick tips that I mention is to get very clear on who your audience is and where they are and to then plan your retreat in, in, in an area that makes it um, very easy to access. So um, meaning you basically as a whole want to give um, as many reasons for them to say yes as possible. So if if I have to travel to get there and there that's a very real like, you know, that could get in the way of me actually saying yes, then I'm not going to make that happen. So if you if you happen to know you have a huge conti contingency of people who follow you, who are in Seattle, Washington, even though you may not live there, like go to go and say, go reach out to those people and say, Hey, would you, if I were to do a retreat, is that something that you would be interested in? So, so part two of that is then to start to kind of like put some feelers out there. And I, I'm not a big believer in like doing massive market research because at some point I feel like as the leader, you just have to do it. And some people don't even know what they want until you show it to them. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that, that is a logistical thing. So like I have a huge contingency of women uh, uh, who are supporters of mine here in my backyard for obvious reasons because of my past with Tampa Bay business owners. And so, you know, I, I, even though I would wanted to for my first retreat to like 
you know, that'd be great to go over to Barcelona for my retreat. That'd be awesome. But I don't know if I have anyone who would go there, you know, or I don't know if the people there would actually support it. So like, so I knew immediately I needed to be in Tampa. So I reached out to the, to the handful of women that I know here. And I was like, Hey, if I did this, would you support it? And they're like, absolutely. So I knew I had some yeses before, um, before I actually launched it. And then what I did is I, um, uh, just a, a cool quick tip. I was thinking about it being a conference first. And then the more that I actually did research on like how much it would cost to be at a hotel on the beach, cause that would be a huge thing here in Tampa Bay. Um, and like what it would cost for, you know, even 15 to 30 people within a little, you know, center at a retreat and all that sort of stuff for food. I mean, I was getting quotes of like for a boardroom for a weekend was like two grand for food stuff. So I was like, you know what, screw this. I ended up going in, uh, I think I was either on Airbnb or uh, VRBO and Vacation Rental by Owner. I think it's changed its name since then. But um, And I ended up finding like this amazing house that had tons of rooms. And so now all of a sudden, it, it, it ended up costing me like 2100 bucks. So now I had a room, but now I had a reason to, to create a VIP package. So I actually sold tickets that were like, Hey, just come for the day and uh, the whole experience. But if you want a VIP package for like double the price, you could actually reserve a bed at the location. So now I had an entirely different way to actually earn revenue on it. And that included food and that included whatever. So, um, so it was a little bit more piecemeal, like I, but it worked really, really well. So those are just a few tips. And then sponsorships, most people think like, oh my gosh, I couldn't get a sponsor for a retreat. There's only like 50, you know, 10, 11, 12 people there. How can I do that? Well, what I did is I just kept asking myself, like these women in the room, who, who needs to get in front of them? Whose services do they need? And that's when I, uh, you know, I ended up having lunch with my friend who owns a con- concierge service, like a personal concierge service. I was like, oh my God, you are the, you need to be in the room. Would you want to do the sponsorship? And I, you can sponsor lunch and I'll do an interview with you during that time so people can really get to know your stuff and you can bring, you know, a bunch of your swag and give that out. And so she was, you know, the person who came on board as a sponsor for me. So yeah, there's just a lot of the, um, those little tips that are very logistical in nature, but that will help you cut corners as far as expenses, but end up being an even better experience and more money goes into the business because of that. Katie, how often are you doing retreats now? So my plan for 2017 was to have two, um, but I'm not 100% positive on that. I will at least do one a year. Um, and the one that I launched last year and the one that I will do again this year was really all, it was like an end of the year, like let's do your planning for the for the upcoming year, which is obviously something that's really needed, um, especially for a, lo- a lot of entrepreneurs that are like, I never have the time to like sit down and plan my business. So, so that's what that one will be. Um, and yeah, if I end up doing another one, that would be in the summer and, you know, that would be a little unique, more topical or more like holistic as far as a business goes. But um, yeah, so right now it's just one a year. Let's talk about how to start and grow and monetize Facebook groups. Yee! That's <laughs> one of my favorite topics. <laughs> Mine too, actually. <laughs> nice. Uh, so a couple of um, tips that I would give people here. So number one is to understand that Facebook groups allow you to engage in relationships in a dynamic way that not all platforms give you. So for example, you and I are both podcasters and I love the communication of podcasting, but when I'm podcasting, 
I don't know unless I'm podcasting live and that's a whole different conversation. But unless like there's no interaction with my listener in that moment of me having these conversations. So um, being able to have a conversation on a in a Facebook group allows a dynamic way for people to talk, meaning I can say something and I can connect with, you know, that the woman who's a part of my community and I can connect with this other woman who's a part of my community. They can communicate back to me. But most importantly, and this is the differentiator, they can start conversations with each other without me even being there. So that that number one is like huge to get that like you are creating a platform that can exist without you there. And so your job, and this is one of the biggest tips that I give to people, your job is to make sure that you have established what the culture of that group is. So you can do that easily by creating guidelines. And so there's a lot of groups and I'm a huge proponent of this, especially in the business space, like make sure that you are freeing the group of spam or at least having a a specific space where it belongs because especially in business everyone's going to want to promote their stuff and so I have something called promote your biz Thursdays it's a post and if you want to talk about whatever promotions you got going on whatever podcast episodes you have coming up whatever cool new thing that you want to put out there that's where you do it and the beauty of that is it becomes a cool marketplace so it's like becomes a one-stop shop if people are sort of looking for a service or product and vice versa, or strategic partners for something, versus like the whole discussion board being bombed by spam. So that's one thing. Um, another tip that I give to a lot of people is never, there's there's the very rare occasion where you should be adding someone to your group. A group is attraction marketing at its best. And so anyone who wants, the only reason somebody should come into your group is because they want to come in and you approve them. Um, so, you know, I've only broken this rule a couple times when somebody is literally like, Katie, go add me to your group, please. Like, I don't have my phone on me. Go add me to your group. So, um, but other than that, I'm very against, I, I hate being added to groups, even if it's like a friend and I know what their group's about. And I'm like, but you're making a huge assumption that that's a group that I want to be a part of. So, um, so yeah, so when you get the right people in there and you create the right guidelines, the right backdrop for them to start interacting now your job becomes to engage them. And by engaging them, it's like how logistically it means like, how can I get them to like more? How can I get them to comment more? How can I get them to post more without me starting the conversations? And that is a giant practice. I mean, that you're, I still, three years later, always I'm experimenting with what is getting people to talk. And when you do a great job of getting people to talk and interacting and connecting with each other, and there's so many tips and tricks that I have for that, um, great things that I've seen other group leaders do as well. Um, once you do a great job doing that, then you're, then you're golden. Like then you can really start practicing on uh, making offers to your group because now you're a valued resource that the group itself has become valuable to be in. And so they're paying attention when you post, they're paying attention when you have something to say. Um, but your job is to make sure to give tons of value in there by being able to connect them and giving them resources that they, that would help them. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of a quick run through of it. But those are a lot of my foundational beliefs as far as Facebook groups go. Kitty, can you share some of those tips and tricks on getting the audience to talk in your Facebook group? Yeah. So just a couple of them is ask questions that they want to answer. (laughs) Um, Sometimes we think, oh, that's a great question. But like, 
I always put myself in the spot of somebody of one of my members who's on Facebook right now. Like, do they want to jump to answer that question? So a lot of times this has nothing to do with business. It's just like, hey, what do you guys do to chill? You know, like um, or it's Sunday. What do you guys take a a selfie Sunday? What are you guys doing today? You know, shoot me a picture. So um, just ask questions that are engaging and that they want to answer. And this literally is a constant daily experiment. So don't be afraid if you're going to put a question out there and nobody comments on it and it totally bombs. But then you're going to put a question out there that everyone responds to. And the number one question that any group leader can ask that everyone will, um, will respond to is like, either something to the effect of like, where are you right now in this world? Or where are you from? Or what city do you live in? Because everyone has pride on where they live right now or where they are from or something like that. So, I mean, I've had posts where I do that and I would get like 100, 200 people commenting about where they are. So um, so that's one way is just add, ask questions that people want to answer. Another way is to be able to like spotlight people and so a lot of times I, I'm friends with a lot of my group members, you know, outside of the group. And so I'll see something that they post that they've done that's really awesome in their business. So I will then share it into the group. I will tag them to bring them into the conversation. And then other people will like, you know, be like, awesome, congratulations. And, and they're like getting praise because of that. And so that's super cool. It makes that member feel really great. Um, another thing that you could do is you can connect members for a purpose. So let's just pretend that somebody's in your group and they're asking for a resource. I would go in there and um, start tagging people who could help them with that resource. So as a leader, I'm saying, I'm being a connector. I'm saying, oh, you know, Chris, you asked for somebody who can build a website. Here are three people who are part of this group who are amazing. And so I force them into that conversation. And it's not just referring. It's also, it might be somebody asking for like, you know, an idea of what they could do for X or how to, how they're going through hiring their first employee. And so I might tag a few people that I know who have just gone through that and who as peers would share their information. So basically I'm tagging people, connecting people, bringing them into that conversation. And then those conversations can continue without me. Um, oh my gosh. So another one is obviously by sharing, um, any resources that either you have or that you have seen out there that would be really helpful. So if there's a blog post that you've written that is immediately, you know, helpful for your members, you can share that. If there's a podcast episode that you did that you could share, but I would share it in a way that immediately address, it doesn't just say, oh, here's the latest podcast episode, but it immediately addresses either a challenge, an idea, or a, you know, a pain point that your listener would have or that your group member would have or lives into that dream that they want to live into. It basically, it's a really good sales line, like a sales, you know, sales copy, and then like ask a question with that and then post the podcast episode. So that's a really good way. Um, And then sharing, I'm a big believer as a leader in being very real and visible. So because you want to establish yourself as a leader, especially as your groups get bigger and more and more people are posting, you need to make sure that you are seen as a leader. So, um, doing video. I do a lot of videos about like, Hey, here's where I am. And I'm teaching like a little mini, you know, business lesson or just sharing a little bit about my life, or I'm just going and saying, hi, I've been thinking about you ladies lately. Um, so I'm doing a lot of videos or Facebook lives, um, or just, you know, pictures of myself working on my computer and using that picture to like ask a question about like, Hey, do you journal in the morning? Cause here I am at 5am and I'm exhausted, but I'm journaling, you know? So, um, yeah, it's uh, really using all of that stuff. So those are just a couple of tips. What are a couple more ways, Katie, that folks could monetize their Facebook group? So again, this is a lot of practice. So number mm-hmm. one, it just takes 
not being fearful of offering what you have to your community. And this is something I struggled with for a long time, to be honest, because um, I I really didn't want to come across as like, I'm always selling something, I'm always selling something. So I simultaneously believe that you really do want to have more give than you have selling. However, however, I have really come to evolve into really believing and seeing firsthand that if I'm offering something, like if I'm if I'm providing value and I'm not giving people an opportunity to get more, if that really resonates with them, then I'm actually doing a disservice. I had so many people when I finally said, yes, I will coach. I had so many people come to me and and they were like, I had no idea you did this. This is great (laughs) because I never was putting it out there. So, so for example, um, these are in addition to the, of course, yes. Now I am. Does anyone want to coach? You know, that kind of bland stuff. Yes, you can do some of that stuff and that's great. However, um, one creative thing that I did, and this was actually to launch my coaching business, but this was just a fun creative thing that you can take and use in any way that you want. So I created a contest and I said, hey, we're going to have a contest and the winner is going to win a free 90 minute strategy session with me. And I created a Google form that was just a quick application that told me a little bit about who they are, what they're what's they're what they're going through in business. And then at the, I gave them a two week period. I had a great graphic. So, you know, every day or however often I would be sharing this graphic, make sure to, you know, apply for a free 90 to win a free 90 minute strategy session. And then um, that was actually at the end of the two weeks on the day that I drew the winner, we happened to be in Greece actually. And so my, I did old school style. I wrote everyone's name. There were 37 people who applied. I wrote everyone's name down on a piece of paper and like, you know, tore it up so that they each had their own piece of paper. I put it in a bucket and I had my husband videotape me, uh, and holding my daughter and my daughter reached into the bucket and like pulled out the winner. And then I showed the winner's name into the video. And then I posted that video in the group. It was not live because we didn't have great internet at that point. (laughs) But, I posted the video in the group and I tagged every single person who had applied. And so by tagging people, it forced them into that conversation. Um, and they, they got to all say congratulations to the winner. But then um, just this is kind of another strategy. What I did behind that was I, of course, reached out to the winner and said, great, let's get on the schedule. But to every other person who um, who had applied, I sent them a link and said, Hey, listen, as a thank you for even taking the time to do this, I'm going to give you a complimentary 25 minute strategy session. No strings attached. You've got my brain for 25 minutes. Let's go. And that's pretty much how I launched my coaching business because out of, I don't remember what the exact numbers were. I think I ended up having 14 people sign up for that. And out of that ended up coming, I think two people who signed on to be clients of mine, the one who won the free 90 minute session, she came on to be a client of mine. And then two people who, as I mentioned before, finally saw like, oh, Katie is actually offering coaching. They didn't even want to mess with the application. They just came to me directly and they're like, we want to work with you. Let's go. So within nothing from going from no clients to all of a sudden I had five clients that I was working with. So that's one way. And that's a pretty creative and fun way that I've done. Um, and another thing is, uh, just to be able, so I had a six week jumpstart program. So it was like a six week goal setting program on how to like set, achieve and like totally rock out your goals. And so that like, there's a lot of things that I do. Like I do like a whisper campaign sometimes. And and I do this with some of the most active members in my group, which is why I'm, I'm stating this as a way to monetize your group. So I'll just say, I'll do a whisper campaign to them, which means that I'm privately messaging them saying, Hey, I have this program. Like you've mentioned in the past that this is something that you might be interested in. I was thinking about you when I created it, which is all true. 
is this something that would be a value to you? And if so, here's what it's all about. And just by doing a lot of that whisper campaign stuff with some of the most active members of my group, I get a lot of people to come on board before I even go public with anything. So, um, so that's just one way. Um, yeah, there's a lot of other ways, but that, those are just two. <laughs> that was great, Katie. Yeah. Katie, we're going to have to wrap up there. And Katie, I want to give you a huge thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for sharing so much wisdom and tips and tricks with the listeners. And I think we got a lot of value out of this episode. Uh, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. Katie, if there's any listeners out there that want to reach out and learn more about you and Biz Women Rocks, what's the best way they can do that? Yeah, you can go to bizwomenrock.com and all you got to do is go opt in and you actually get a personal invitation from me to come on into our private Facebook group. So um, that'll be a really great way to be able to instantly connect with literally thousands of women all over the globe. And she also has a podcast by the same name, but we'll put the links in all the show notes below. Again, Katie, thank you so much for joining us. That was an incredible episode. Listeners, thank you for joining us as well. And we're going to sign off there and see you guys on the next show. Goodbye, everybody. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for six and seven figure entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day to day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for attendees, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This year, our main event will be held in Chiang Mai, Thailand. It is four weeks from October 26th to November 24th and held for six and seven figure entrepreneurs only. It will be full of workshops, masterminds, advisors, co-working, and fun weekend social events. Be sure to check out the details at theentrepreneurhouse.com as soon as possible. This event will fill up fast. For those of you that are interested and have some questions, be sure to contact us through theentrepreneurhouse.com forward slash contact. We will respond as soon as possible. For now, saludos from somewhere in the world.